Hey, I'm Alex. Hey, I'm Miles, and welcome back to a Productions. Well, it's been a little while since we've had a yep. podcast episode, but we've waited for a good topic to come out, and now we have a perfect talking point. And as you guys have probably guessed, we're here to talk about the NBA Finals, and we're here yeah, to congratulate... Ooh. First off, uh, congratulate the Denver Nuggets for winning their first NBA title in franchise history. World champions after uh, forty-seven years, you know, no ring, no ring until no ring until now. You know, it's amazing. Let's get to them. It's amazing. Yeah, we have a few things to cover tonight. Firstly, we're just going to be talking about the series as a whole, just mm-hmm. giving our thoughts on uh, Game Five and also just on some storylines throughout it. And then our second topic is going to be talking about Jimmy Butler and a common uh, stereotype and also just a narrative that we've seen play out many, many times in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And then our third topic, we're going to be talking about uh, Jokic's legacy. Absolutely. It's good to be on right. video format. Yeah. We're yeah. testing it out. And uh, yeah, with that, Alex, how do you feel about starting our first topic, just discussing the NBA Finals? Um. All right, yeah, I can kick that off. So this NBA Finals, the the Heat came into this Finals with a, a in an interesting position. You know, obviously they were before the series in Boston. They looked like they maybe had the most like gain in momentum in the NBA, and they went up three games in Boston. They were looking like they were looking like a team that breaks all the stats because all the advanced stats and all the predictions were saying. They were going to get wrecked by Boston. Then they went up 3-0 on them. Uh, I believe there was some like graphic rolling around that said Miami had a three percent chance statistically of beating the Boston Celtics, and then they took them to they took them to seven and one. You know, uh, and th- I think that that little stretch where they lost three games in a row kind of killed their hype. And before that, you know, Jimmy Butler was being viewed as this. Like like going on an all time run, Bam Adebayo was getting a lot of consideration, and Eric Spoelstra was getting a lot of consideration. But you know that Miami system of, you know, uh, having having a center who you know Bam Adebayo gets a lot of slack for not being able to do stuff offensively, but he really picked that part of his game up. This season he's been an offensive threat. This postseason he's been an offensive threat. Um, you know th- them having a bunch of rotational forwards and guards due to Tyler Hero being out uh, and having Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo run the offense. It really seemed like an interesting system. But I think the thing that lost them in the finals is they were too role-player reliant. They didn't have enough star power on their team. And you can't say the same for Denver, the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets, you know, they had they had Nikola Jokic, obviously two times MVP, now one-time finals MVP. They had Jamal Murray, who, you know, I could say, I could talk about Jamal Murray for 24 hours in a day. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jamal Murray was, was a killer that season. Jamal Murray, he was averaging, I believe he averaged something like almost 30 points in that uh, that uh, sweep that sweep to the Lakers. Uh, and, you know, he, he was on fire. He, just, he was a, a star that series. Michael Porter Jr. was balling out. Aaron Gordon was playing the best basketball he's ever played. And I just think... The the Miami the Miami uh, Heat they were too they were too role player reliant. I think they're lacking another star. Not saying Jimmy isn't that guy, but I'm just saying they could use another offensive threat, especially in the the later stages of the games. 
Yeah, I think you made a pretty interesting point earlier on when we were talking about the finals, Alex, is that, and, you know, I'd say in one out of three years of the NBA finals with this specific Heat team, they probably could have won the championship. But I think that Denver was specifically just a tough matchup with them because of the, as you said, the role players, and then also just the size of Denver. And that's eventually just going to be what really doomed uh, Miami in this series because there are so many mismatches on the court. Um, You know, you have guys like Aaron Gordon or, you know, you guys, you have guys like, uh, you know, Kyle Lowry out there who are just, there's, there's no physical, there's no physical uh, like connection between those guys. Those there's such a, there's such a wide margin between them and it just creates constant mismatches on the floor especially if you're gonna have to double Jokic or double murray it's gonna leave one of those guys open on an island and especially with shooters like michael porter jr as you said yeah they're gonna take those shots and eventually that adds up um i i really do feel like though my previous point about the heat is true and i I do think they had the ability to really you know win a championship but i don't think that this denver team was going to be beat by any by anybody, especially not the Heat in their undersized position. Yeah. Uh, another another thing about this Heat team is they're very reliant on the three point shot, as we see, as we saw that series. When when that three point shot didn't fall, they didn't win basketball games. And that, as simple as that, their their best game in that NBA final shooting the three point shot was the game they won. You know, uh, in 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 this uh, in this last game, game five, I believe Miami Heat they were like. They were doing really bad three-point shooting at halftime, and Denver was something terrible, like one out of fifteen. You know, if if Denver's playing bad basketball at that time, you got to be able to hit those threes, and that's what's going to be able to steal you another game. And you know, you, you're in a three-two situation, and that sounds a lot better than a three-one situation. Um, I believe the reliance on the three-point shot is something that Denver didn't really have to. You know, as we as as I just mentioned, they went one for fifteen in the first half of Game Five, uh, shooting the three-ball versus the Miami heat and you know, the, they came back. It's because Denver, they have a lot of pick and rolls going and they have a lot of cuts, you know, Aaron Gordon, he's one of the best cutters in the NBA. He can cut from that three point line into the paint. You know, I think it was, I want to say it was game four, the game they went up three to one all throughout that fourth quarter. It was Jokic finding him in the paint, seeing Aaron Gordon cut. I believe this, this Mike Malone coached Denver team, just had more ways to win. In the Miami Heat, they were a lot more one-dimensional. And then that they were a high three-point, they were a high three-point volume team. And if that didn't fall, which it needed to fall, their chances of winning the game skyrocketed downwards. Yeah, definitely. And to touch on Aaron Gordon a little bit more, not only is he one of the best cutters in the NBA, but also one of the best finishers. Uh when he gets in that in that danger zone, right towards the paint over the over the head you know dunks anything like that he has the body control to make that happen and he also is so threatening from a mismatch standpoint because of his size explosiveness he has massive hands he can catch slam dunks anything uh i also think to touch on aaron gordon his great performances were as a result of the two stars on Denver, uh, you know, Jokic and Murray, not being afraid to step into a distributing role, especially I, I think Murray in the, in the latter games we saw uh, down the stretch, he he had five plus assists every single game in the NBA finals. He was absolutely yeah. killing it. He had 
Uh, I believe he was averaging seven assists throughout this playoffs, and he really was able to show that part of his game. You know, outside of him being obviously a great shooter, he can also do that. And then obviously what we already know about Jokic is he's going to get his triple doubles. He's going to distribute the rock. He has a great connection with Aaron Gordon and other players, and he's going to be able to distribute. That's where he'll kill you. Even though he'll get his own, he'll get his 20 points, he will get those 10 assists as well. Yeah, and like you mentioned earlier, the thing with that Denver team is they can have different distributors at a different time. You know, a misconception about Denver is that Nikola Jokic runs their offense in distribution every single time. That is simply not the case. Guys like Jamal Murray can do it. Uh, basically, basically, you know, I've seen uh, Christian Brown. He's he's kicked it a couple times and he's he's gotten a few assists. I believe there's a beautiful momentum gaining play in game three, and that 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 stands out to me in which he got the ball for a mid-range, but then he just kicked it immediately to, I believe it was uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope in the corner, and he switched it for a three. That team dist- distributes, and you don't know who is passing that rock. That team, that team is made to get the open shot, and they aren't relying on one particular shot. They got a lot of guys who can find a lot of passes and a lot of guys, you know, as you said, can finish, especially Aaron Gordon. And he was a very key player in that finals run. Very key player. All right, definitely. Okay. And with that, we're going to be moving into our second topic. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about something that's a little bit more conceptual with this topic, but it's a narrative that Alex and I have seen time and time again in the NBA, and I think it's a good time to address it. So – I think you see this a lot of times in pop culture when you have a star that people want to root for, the hype becomes almost unmatchable. The level that a person is put on, the pedestal that they are put on, it's inhuman to be able to match it because at some point you're going to mess up and you're not going to live up to those standards. And we've seen this in music. We've seen this for celebrities, actors, but a lot of times we see it in sports and we set unrealistic expectations on players to perform at a certain level. And although that may be justified for the way they're playing, it's, 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 it's just human nature to have, uh, you know, a mistake, a bad moment. And I truly feel like the hype that surrounded Jimmy Butler in this playoffs, although it was justified at at some point, especially after the Milwaukee series or the Boston series, it eventually at some point it it was going to be too, it was going to be too much. If he didn't win the championship, then that's gonna that's gonna forever be what people point towards. Although he got all this hype, that'll be the moment people point towards as his legacy right there. That three point shot that he took with about thirty seconds left, the and and, and it hit the and it hit the backboard. It, it, that's what people are gonna always remember about him. And forever that that hype that was at first there throughout all the playoffs is suddenly gonna disappear, and people are only gonna remember those bad moments. I think it's just a classic narrative that we've seen too many times. And um, I think it's just very sad to see. It's sad to see how we do this to players and do this yeah. to people in general. Uh, with with Jimmy Butler specifically, he, he is a guy who's known for performing in the postseason, but he's not really known as a regular season player. So this is kind of a seasonal hype for Jimmy Butler. You know, he took Boston to a close series the prior season. Uh, he won a close series against them this season. Uh, he's he's beat Milwaukee a couple seasons ago, and you know went to go to the NBA Finals versus the Lakers. 
we we've seen Jimmy Butler in the playoffs, and he's known he's known for being a playoff guy. Um, but at the end of the day, in the regular season, he hasn't shown enough to be a like he hasn't shown enough to be like a a bona fide superstar, like an undisputed superstar. And whenever he enters into the postseason, we're quick to label him as that, even though during the 82 game stretch, he hasn't really showed us enough to be that. So it's kind of a seasonal thing with Jimmy Butler, where we forget about we where we forget about his, you know, star quality play in the regular season. And, you know, once the postseason comes around and, you know, everybody, everybody, they want to, every player, they want to be at their best in the postseason. So, you know, towards the end of the regular season, they're taking time off, they're rehabbing. So once we see Jimmy Butler at hundred percent explosive, hungry, ready to score, ready to distribute, ready to make a hustle play on defense. We're quick to label him or we're quick to view him in a superstar light when he hasn't showed that during the regular season. And I believe that's where the unfairness sprouts. That is the root of the cause. We see, we see this, we see this sudden overnight just gain in expectations for Jimmy Butler. And I, sometimes he lives up to it. But at the end of the day, you can't rely on a guy who hasn't shown it during the whole regular season to label him to that degree and get super disappointed and mad when he doesn't do it. He did it against Milwaukee. He did it for the first three games against Boston, closed out that series. He had a very hard run to the finals. The Heat had the hardest possible run to the finals, arguably out of any single team in the NBA, in this NBA finals. And they made it and they you know, I know it was a five-game battle with the, the Nuggets, but they had some really close games. They had some quality moments. Overall, if you're Miami, you view the season as a success. You know, you were a disappointing regular season team with who was an eight seed. And to pin Jimmy Butler um, to these super huge standards and, you know, crap on him for not performing the best with an eight seed against the best team in the NBA, it's simply not fair. And it's it's something that sprouts – during the postseason and that's the root of the problem yeah i also think that something that's a part of the problem is the comparison to other players we've all joked about how jimmy butler might be michael jordan's son but as soon as these things started happening with jimmy butler hitting these crazy shots everybody starts comparing oh is jimmy butler michael jordan's son is that the reason why he's playing like this where does jimmy butler's playoff run compare all the time i think we need to I'll do. I'll do think these like, discussions, especially that last one about legacy and playoff runs, are important. But people, can we focus on the present moment? Can we focus on what's happening right now in front of our eyes, rather than having to look to the past or to the future. I, I think it's part of the reason we can, or part of the way we can try to avoid this type of hype is if we simply just try to appreciate the play for what it is. Man, Jimmy Butler. He had an amazing series, and that's an amazing shot. And that can be what that can be what it is. It doesn't always have to be a discussion of, "Wow, Jimmy Butler had an amazing game." I wonder where this ranks him all time. You know, <laughs> we don't have to we don't have to do that. I, I think we just have to simply just appreciate moments, appreciate players, and just try to live with it. One hundred percent agree. It's, it's just we see a good moment from Jimmy Butler, and we decide to blow it up completely and ultimately that's we, we we see like something for instance beating milwaukee in five that's something not a lot of people saw coming i mean they did it in the past before uh i believe also in five games in a prior nba season but 
you know, that's something that not a lot of people predicted. And they're like, oh, you beat Milwaukee in five. You're going to do this. You're going to beat this team in five. You're going to beat this team in five. Oh, my God, you got past the NBA finals favorites in the Boston Celtics. You're going to do the same thing to Denver. And that just re- resolves in a catastrophe of expectations. Most definitely. All right. That lastly brings us into our third topic. And we're going to be discussing a little bit about Jokic's legacy Alex, I know you've been dying to talk about this. How about you get us started? Absolutely. First off, I'd like to start off by saying Nikola Jokic is one of the most dominant offensive players we have ever seen in the NBA. Nikola Jokic has, in these last three, in these last three seasons, Nikola Jokic has been a two-time MVP and a one-time Finals MVP, and is and a very, very, very close second-place MVP finalist. You know, people forget how close and neck and neck that was. Um, and, you know, although I do think Joel Embiid deserved it this season, Nikola Jokic was a very close second. He went on one of the most dominant three-year runs we have ever seen. It's, it's weird because it came directly after Giannis did the same thing. You know, Giannis was a two-time MVP and a one-time finals MVP. And I believe that's an appropriate positional that, that's a appropriate positional comparison, even though one's a four and one's a five. I think we can start viewing Jokic in the same sense that we view Giannis as, and that he is a legend in the game. And he's an all-timer. We've seen killer NBA Finals performances and killer NBA runs from both of these players. And so I'm going to use the Giannis template when viewing Jokic. Giannis is a guy we could... Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Miles. No, you're good. You're good. Go, keep on going. All right. Giannis is a guy who we view as a... Giannis is a guy who we view as someone who has potential to be the best four ever. But he is a very... He has a lot. He has big shoes to fill, man. He's got to get past Dirk Nowitzki. Kevin Garnett, and the biggest of them all, Tim Duncan. I think the five position is a bit more loaded than the four. You know, historically, names like Shaquille O'Neal, names like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, names like Hakeem Olajuwon, names like Moses Malone, names like Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain all jump ahead. And I believe Nikola Jokic is a top seven NBA center of all time. I believe you could put Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Shaquille O'Neal, Hakeem Olajuwon, Wilt Chamberlain, and Bill Russell comfortably ahead of him. I think you can debate him and Moses Malone. Now you got to remember Moses Malone is the greatest rebounder to ever play in the NBA and the greatest, the greatest off the glass ever. And Nikola Jokic is the greatest facilitator. Um, one of the greatest, one of, I know it's weird to say, but he's one of the best scorers we've ever seen in the center position and by far the best distributor we've ever seen in the center position. His dominance is an anomaly. And I believe we have to put him top seven at this point. He's, only going to rise from this point and I'd, I'd love to see where he ends up at the at the end of his career on like it's it's a in, in the only difference between him and Giannis is filling being being the number one five is a lot harder to being the number one four there's just so many historically dominant guys I think Jokic will end up somewhere in the top five I can see Nicole Jokic at five when it's all said and done yeah I, I do think it is hard to it is truly hard to rank players, especially right after such a significant event in their career. Because for the most part, we're talking about players that have completely finished their careers and comparing them to somebody who just won an NBA championship. However, I do agree with Alex's point, and I do think it'll be interesting to see where Jokic ranks when it's all said and done. But even not even looking at that, I think I can confidently say, out of all the centers in NBA history, he has the most skilled overall just composition of, of ability because as you talked about his distribution, best we've ever seen 
his ability his ability to actually genuinely hit a consistent three point shot is genuinely unheard of. I mean, there's some there's some there's some shots in the Lakers series where, I mean, I can't even explain how anybody on the court's supposed to hit that, and Jokic hit <laughs> I think three buzzer beaters like that in the series. I mean, it's absurd. And then obviously he's dominant in the post. To be perfectly honest with you, and he does that without even having to jump. So uh, you know, gotta give the man props for that. And yeah, I I just do think that. Although it is going to be hard to rank uh, where Jokic is all time at the moment, I do think it is. Comp- it's pretty. It's pretty easy to talk about his skill set and just regard it as probably the best we're ever going to see. He's just so well rounded, and honestly, what I can really appreciate about him as a player is that he's he's no nonsense. He gets business done. He doesn't celebrate too much. He doesn't get in guys' faces. He plays his game, man. He plays his game, and honestly, it all paid off. You know, I'm sure everybody's, he's had his home. He's had his moments, you know, uh, the, I mean, obviously what happened against the heat a little bit earlier with the, the Montez Morris hit and stuff like that. People didn't like oh, that. Oh, I um, forgot about that. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> he's had his moments and whatnot, but yeah. honestly, I can respect him as a class act and, um, I'm happy that he won this championship for sure. Yeah. He's a, I mean, he's, he's a very nice gentleman, but we've seen that Serbia mafia member aspect oh, yeah. of him show out, especially he, with his he, two menacing brothers. He has a seven footer. <laughs> Don't forget about that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I appreciate you guys for staying patient with us and um, I hope you guys are liking this new video format. We're trying it mm-hmm. out. Peace out. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys.